and a half, maybe almost two months now, I've been reading through the book of Acts very slowly, uh, just working through it page by page, spending 20, 30 minutes. I might read a verse. It might be 12 verses, but just slowly working through it. And for some reason, in a new way, it caught my eye and attention the number of times that it says that someone was filled with the Holy Spirit, like over and over and over and over again. And I was like, this feels like redundant. Like, why is this over and over and over again in this way? For example, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Stephen, a man filled with God's grace and power. Another way of saying the Spirit. But Stephen filled with the Holy Spirit. While Peter was still speaking his words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, just to name a handful. And we see this over and over and over again. And it appears that the writer of Acts, who also wrote Luke, which would be Luke, is trying to communicate something to whoever he's writing this letter to. And then we, 2,000 later, get to read it and kind of peer in when it wasn't necessarily technically like written to us, but we get to ask, what is this communicating to me today? What is this communicating to us today? And so my question for us this morning is, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And how would you know? How would you know if you were filled with the Holy Spirit? Because there, there, there's a piece that says, I'm pretty confident in this, that a lot of us are like, okay, I've got God. God the Father and, you know, like Dad... Jesus, I guess, but then they're like the same. Okay, so then you have Jesus, and he's our Savior. So I, okay, I, I think I can figure those two out, you know, and I pray. I pray, God, bless this meal. Jesus, be with me. You know, I, I have those two figured out, but then there's this, this Holy Spirit, and probably what tends to happen most is two things, is one, Holy Spirit's kind of like the lost, forgotten second cousin somewhere, where you're like, I think I think he's part of our family, but I don't really know how, and my gosh, if he shows up at like the Thanksgiving table, like this is going to be weird. Like how do we, how do we make sure he doesn't get the invite? Like I, let's just not even cross that. The other side of it, and probably for some of us in this room would also be true, is that we could actually come to actually love the Holy Spirit in a way that we see these gifts that God has graced us with through the Spirit. And the danger is that we can actually come so in love with the gifts that we actually fall out of love with the giver. And things just get wonky. And it's all about the spirit. And we, we lose a lot of sensibilities and groundedness and rootedness. And so today like today, a day like today, we celebrate what's called Pentecost. Anybody know what Pentecost means? It's the 50th day pretty easy, right? 50th day after Easter, resurrection. So, so we actually see this in the church calendar. There's a variation of holidays that happen, and there's a whole calendar laid out. And 50 days after Easter, we, we have this, this 50th day. And actually what it was is it was a festival. It, it was like the beginnings of, of weeks of celebration and the way that the people of God would interact with each other if you were Jewish. And they're all gathered at the beginning of this, and there becomes this moment where like the Holy Spirit shows up. And they're all hanging out with one another. 
They're getting ready to do festivals and just the normal things. And then it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in their tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Like, again, long-lost cousin who you don't want coming to Thanksgiving. Like, what do you do with that? I read it now, and I'm like, "Ah, God, hopefully you don't do that again in this space. Like, everyone's going to be really weirded out. Like, there's, like, fire, and then there's, like, this massive wind coming through, and there's windows, and apparently it still happens. And then you're all speaking this language that you don't even know what you're saying, but somehow people are understanding each other. Like, this is bizarre. And sometimes in the church, we've been around long enough, we, we, we tend to normalize these things to where then other people are like, what are you even talking about? But if you can imagine with me for a second, as I read this 2,000 later, can you imagine what it was like for them in that moment? Like, people literally started to think that they were drunk. Someone had to get up and go, guys, look, it's only 11 a.m. They're not drunk. Now, if it was 2 p.m., that's a different story. Like, that actually could be the case. But listen, they're actually not drunk. The Spirit of God has shown up in this place. And whether we know what to do with this or not, the Holy Spirit in general, I think the question is, what do we do when the Holy Spirit actually shows up? How do we know if the Holy Spirit has showed up? And I think for most of our lives in an intellectual age where we have scientific reasoning and we want proof and we, you know, material, like I, I believe in the things that I can feel and see and touch, again, we can discount the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as something maybe different or separate from what God is actually doing in the relationship that I've kind of figured out and I know who God is and he knows who I am and we're just going to keep it nice and tight. But the story is so much broader even if we go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis 1, in creation, in the beginning, and it talks about that the, the earth was voidless, that there, there was just chaos, and there was no organization into anything, and nothing was formed. But in that space, God's Spirit hovered above the waters. The word for spirit there is ruach. I can't vibrate my voice enough for that, but it's ruach. And it's the breath, it's the wind, it's what God is speaking. So from the very beginning, maybe Genesis was more than a scientific creation of the world, and it's communicating that God's presence has been dwelling amongst creation before we even knew it. And then we could fast forward a little bit, and we think about Moses going to Mount Sinai. And he goes up onto this mountain, and there's this like beam of fire that takes place. And there's a massive cloud, and God speaks to him. Then you fast forward a little bit more, and you have Moses, who would, he would call the tent of meeting. He would literally pitch this tent outside the camp, and that's the place that he would go and meet God. And again, you would see this cloud fall over. And it says that God would talk to Moses face to face like a friend. And then you fast forward even more, and you have the temple as Solomon finishes building that, and essentially it's taking this, the tent of meeting turned to tabernacle, turned to temple. And it's another space in which God is dwelling with his people. 
And what starts to happen in all of this is that God's spirit, this ruach, actually starts to fall on people, certain people. We think about Moses. Moses had a unique relationship between God and the people that he was leading. So Moses had the spirit of God on him. But then you have other people, for example. You have someone like Joseph, who God's spirit starts to work in for dream interpretation. You have someone like Betzalel, whose spirit is actually working through him to design the tabernacle where God would meet his people. You have the prophets, selected people whose God's spirit would fall on them so that they could actually see the world from God's perspective. The story of God is a story of him dwelling amongst his people through his spirit. But then something changes, right? Where you have God and you have these ways in which he's visually kind of understood so that the people could meet him and then his spirit would fall on people and empower them for a certain thing in a certain time. And then what happens? Jesus. And you have this unique person that is fully human yet fully divine who who comes to earth who is technically it says in John 1 that it's God embodied in the flesh that has come to represent come to be amongst the people. You start to think Sinai, you start to think the tent of meeting, you start to think the tabernacle, you start to think the temple, that God's spirit was in these things. And what happens is Jesus comes on the scene and a number of decades in, he gets baptized. And the spirit of God falls on him like a dove and then empowers him to start doing this ministry. I think Luke captures it well. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God's kingdom, his active rule and reign has now broken into our lives in and through Jesus who is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he does all these things and he's People hang out with him and they follow him everywhere and he, you know, makes these religious leaders mad and challenges them and tries to like draw in like the the Roman rulers and then even like the other people who think they have it, they don't. And he's just doing all this stuff. His miracles are happening. He's like healing people to communicate that he is God, that he can actually forgive sins, that there's salvation at hand. He's going about doing all this work and the disciples are like, cool, like this is great. And he kind of starts like teaching them how to do things and all of a sudden he dies and like, end of the story, and well, that was fun. That didn't really pan out the way we wanted it to. And then he comes back, and he's like, a few days later, like, again, risen by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit has brought Jesus back to life. And he hangs out for a little while longer. And he starts to speak a little bit more plainly, plainly to the people following him, so they might actually understand a little bit more. We get to this point in the beginning of the book of Acts where Jesus starts talking about all the things that he wants them to do because they're like, hey, so you're back now. Like, you're going to redeem Israel and you're going to, you know, overthrow the Romans and everything's going to work out for us, right? He's like, no, no, you, you're going to do that. You're, you're, you're going to do the things that I've started. I'm like, well, what do you, that, I don't even understand that. And all of a sudden, he just like goes off into the sky. 
Emery lost a balloon at Gazebo Gardens a little bit ago. You know when you lose a balloon that has helium in it, I guess? It like just starts going up. You're like, okay, well, we're not getting that back. And it goes a little bit farther, and you're like, yeah, it's gone. And you're like, is that? I can, st- I can still see it. It's right there. And like you play that game, like how long can you still see the balloon floating off? Like the disciples are standing there, and Jesus just peaced out after they asked the question of, can you still do all these things? And they're like, no, you're going to peace. They're just like, I, I can think, is that? I can still see him. You know, Peter's probably the one who's like, I can see him the best because I'm the best. <laughs> and like, so like they're doing that whole thing. And they're standing there and like, wait, did he say, are we supposed to do something now? And all of a sudden, like these two angels appear and they're like, hey guys, like, let's go, move it. Start doing the things that he was just talking about doing. And they're kind of like, all right, well, how, what do we do? Like, how does this happen? Only Jesus could do these things. And then we get back to Pentecost. Up to this point, unique people had been picked out for certain times and for certain purposes for God's spirit to actually empower to work in and through. And then we get to this weird room with a bunch of people, and all of a sudden wind starts blowing and fires that look like split tongues above their heads start happening and people start like speaking gibberish. And God's spirit fills them. The Holy Spirit fills the people. The same spirit that empowered Jesus to do all that he did. The same spirit that actually raised him from the dead. Now dwells inside the people. You can imagine it feeling like a new temple. The ways in which God has tried to dwell amongst his people has now been embodied in you. And has now been embodied in myself. And all of a sudden, this early church, they start doing these things. They start gathering in homes where some people would teach, and they would talk about the ways of Jesus, and they would learn from one another to to keep doing the things that Jesus did. And they would would live together. Like, they would learn how to, like, be in this new family that actually, like, forgives one another and, and offers mercy and kindness to people, even those that are different than you. And starts to empower people towards actually serving each other. And even those outside the church. The people who are so far off are now coming to life in Jesus through these people. Who were filled with the Holy Spirit. And we start to see justice happening and people walking in humility and Babies that were left on the outside of the walls for dead, this church starts going and collecting and taking care of the poor, and all these things start happening that start changing the world in this small community, little by little, that was oppressed by the empire that they resided in, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now for us, as we think about maybe these last several weeks and violence and the racism and the things that just continue to plague our world that shows no signs of stopping but only increasing. What do we do? How do do we live when there's so much brokenness and darkness and like, man, can, like, why? Why is it this bad? Why are people this bad? Do they not get it? 
And it's hard to know what to do. Because I know for me, sometimes I feel like I can do nothing. And then usually the things I try to do don't really go the way I think they're supposed to go or should go. I try to fix something, and sometimes it ends up worse. And I think I said the right thing, but I didn't. And I think I challenged the right person, and that just went bad. Like, just get in this muck that, like, I can't fix anything. Alistair McIntyre says, I can only answer the question of what I am to do if I can answer the prior question of, of what story or stories do I find myself a part of. I cannot choose what to do unless I know the larger story that I'm a part of. And this morning I want you to hear that God has broken into your life and through his spirit. God for ages has been breaking into people's lives to be empowered by his spirit, to live in peace, to live in shalom, to walk humbly, to forgive others, to do justice, to seek reconciliation, to serve your neighbor. Like, keep going and going and going. He has been trying to dwell amongst us so that we actually become good that we actually become more like him. Because Jesus said, nah, you guys got it. You take it from here. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? So I think sometimes for us, we're going to go into a practice here in a second. But I think that we just, if we've been around church for a while or not, like we, we oftentimes can like try to figure out God and we understand Jesus, but we almost try to like box the Holy Spirit in rather than let him in. And it's like, why well, if we just keep, that's just weird and we can't. I just keep it over there, rather than actually letting the Spirit of God in our life. To actually be challenged and confronted and feel a little bit uncomfortable because God is doing something that I don't understand. God is breaking into my life in a way that is awkward. And I'm not really sure what to do with. And I think because sometimes we can try so hard to figure out the Holy Spirit, we never actually let him out. Like, if I can do the math on who the Holy Spirit is and make sure it's nice and cozy and comfortable, well, he only does this for me and this, but then we actually never let out the Holy Spirit in our relationships. We never actually let the Holy Spirit out in a, in a church of the people of God where the, God is dwelling to actually let him out to do the things that he wants to do in this space. To let God out in the grocery store that I'm shopping through as I see this person and this, I don't know what to really do with that. Am I actually letting God move in and through me or am I just trying to figure out the Holy Spirit enough to where I, I know how to keep him at a distance and so I think the question for us this morning is how much do you want it's evidenced by the scriptures and by humanity and by stories and by modern day and testimonies and the things I've seen in my own life it's evident that God is wanting to actively participate in your life he has set a dwelling place for us to receive and come to. 
to then walk away differently, to walk into the world transformed, to be the place that the world is longing for. I can't create peace on the East Coast from here. But by God, I can ask him to create peace here first and foremost. And then I might actually have a chance to participate in peace in my home. And maybe that extends outside into my neighborhood. It shows up into my workplace. How much of the Holy Spirit do you want? So we're going to pause for a moment. We're going to end with this practice and then move into ministry time. Uh, those of you on the outside, you're going to, I'm going to ask you to, to help here a little bit. There's some papers down there on the ground. Um, we're going to put these papers in our hand and then we're just going to reflect. For just a few minutes here, these are a number of scriptures that we're just going to read together. And just ask God's Spirit to speak to us through it. These are words that someone by the name of Paul, who was transformed by the Holy Spirit, as I'm pretty sure it goes, as he was riding a donkey and he was just knocked off and like made blind out of nowhere as he was on his way to go kill more Christians. So his name was Saul. And then the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, just knocks him physically off and speaks to him. And all of a sudden, Paul finds life with God in the Spirit. He goes amongst his region and plants a bunch of churches. And he helps people experience God in new ways that actually have a chance of being different in their culture. Where Jesus is present. And these are just some of his words that he writes to a church in Ephesus. But I want you to do is Pause. Don't overthink anything that I've been talking about. Don't overthink the words that are on the paper. But simply just open yourself up to God, and I'm going to read this for us. You're going to read along with me silently. And one of the ways that we can kind of grow in hearing God's voice, seeing where the Spirit is at work, is we can ask Him to highlight certain things in these texts that we read. They're 2,000 years old. Is there a word or a phrase that stands out differently as we read together? Is there a thought that comes to mind? Is there a person that comes to mind? Am I being like confronted and challenged and I feel like I need to do this thing that isn't my normal pattern? We would say that's God speaking. That's God's Holy Spirit at work trying to draw your attention. For those of us that have professed faith in Jesus, this is inside of us. And what we're trying to do is over and over again become more in tune with what the Spirit is doing in and through my life. And I can then better understand what he's doing around my life. So let's pause. And I want you to first bring to mind what is the thing that has been keeping you up at night the most? What is the thing that has been causing you the most stress and worry and fear in your life over this last week or two? What's the thing that you might just be so angry with and you don't even know what to do? Ask God to bring that to mind. With that in mind, you can have your eyes closed, you can read along. Paul picking up in chapter 4, verse 8, and then we'll jump around a little bit. This is what it says. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. 
Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteous and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give a devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, do something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as Christ in you, God forgave you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Spirit speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What stood out? How did that confront your greatest stress, your worries, your fears, your anger? Just pause and sit with that for another moment, and then we'll read through one more time. And now I want us to think personally, a little bit closer to home. Think about your best friend, your coworker, your spouse, your kids, your neighbor. Who's keeping you up at night? Who are you angry with? Who just does not get it? Who's causing you stress and anxiety? Who is it that if they could just be fixed, everything would be so much better? And with them in mind, I wonder if there's something for you to do. So let's read one more time. And is, it, is God inviting you? to something. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. 
From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Do something useful with your hands, that they might have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ and God forgave you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Is there anything that the Spirit of God within you might be asking you to do? Anybody that he is asking you to move towards? Anything that you need to work to remove from yourself? That you ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And may you ask continually for more of the Holy Spirit over and over and over again because we leak. And there's good news and bad news in that. We leak. The things that we fill ourselves up with leak in and through us. The amount of time we spend on social media will leak in and through us. The amount of time we spend internet browsing to numb whatever we're feeling will leak. The inability to forgive and to confess and ask for forgiveness, it will eventually leak. But the good news is that is that we also leak. And when we're filled more and more with the Holy Spirit, when we are filled more and more with the truth that God brings, when we are filled more and more with the ways and the life and the teachings of Jesus we leak. May we continue to ask God to fill us over and over again like we see in the book of Acts. Filled with the Holy Spirit as you go to work on Monday. Filled with your, the Holy Spirit as you make the phone call after this service. Filled with the Holy Spirit as you sit around the dinner table with those that you don't trust or have been betrayed by. Filled by the Holy Spirit as you do your grocery shopping. 
filled by the Holy Spirit as you dream and ask God about what are you calling me to spend my life on? Filled with the Holy Spirit over and over again, God wants to dwell in and amongst us. How much do you want? I'm going to invite um, Ish and team forward. And there's this image in the end of the, end of the scriptures. We get to a book called Revelation, and John of Patmos has this vision over and over and over again. And it ends essentially with this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. God is restoring his kingdom here on earth. And until that happens, he, for some reason, has chosen to do it through us. What an honor that is. What a responsibility that is. And then just how much I just don't even know why he did that. But may we be filled with his spirit so that we can actually participate in what he's up to. Restoring all things.